And once again, we caution you. These stories are definitely not for the timid soul. So we tell you calmly and very sincerely, if you frighten easily, turn off your radio now. The Stan Winston School is an, an online uh, learning experience. We provide access through our streaming videos to the top artists uh, working in the creature effects industry. Uh, and we cover everything from design, uh, from foundation to digital, sculpture, we do traditional and digital, uh, puppetry, animatronics, uh, painting, uh, we're covering it all. A anything that contributes to the art of character creation is being covered and it's all online. So if you can't afford to come to LA and enroll uh, in, a, in a school here, you can just log on wherever you are in the world and have access to the best in the business. And it's really the first time uh, that anyone's done it. And thank goodness that uh, Dad is so well-beloved that everyone has opened their, their arms to this concept. And it's just amazing. It grows. I mean, this is a, a year's worth of lessons. Um, I can only imagine in 10 years we'll have thousands of lessons. So it's, it's really exciting. Boss Potato Podcast. I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Episode 177. Bam. And we got a guest. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> Big guest. Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, for me, it, see, I'm speechless. <laughs> <laughs> but today our guest is Matt Winston, the head of the Stan Winston School for Character Arts, son of the legendary effects uh, legend, um, Stan Winston. Matt, welcome. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, I'm happy to be joining you for the podcast. Uh, where to start with you? I, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Gosh, I mean, that's, that's, that's up to you guys. How long is the show? All right, right. <laughs> um, at conception, if you want. We, uh, 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 we usually like to start with people um, as their kids. And the thing that gets me with you is, is that your upbringing is so atypical because it's it's not someone who was working in a garage who was looking forward to a career like you were born into this this sort of legacy, right? Yeah, I my my uh my dad got started uh on his makeup effects career in 1968 and I was born in 1970. So all of my memories include, you know, dad having this crazy cool job. Uh, so right, I, I, I never remember a time when when Hollywood and movie magic wasn't around, uh, and yeah, that that is atypical. And I and I always realized that. I always knew how lucky I was. None of my my friends had dads who did that. You know, they were uh, orthopedic doctors or uh, <laughs> lawyers or realist or real estate people or teachers or. But no one was m making monsters for a living. Did you so? Uh, that, it's definitely unique. Did you grow up in L.A.? Yeah, I grew up in L.A. in the San Fernando Valley, to be specific, uh, in in the 70s. And it was a, 
that kind of a great time to grow up. It was yeah. before you know iPhones iPhones took over and and uh, you know you actually had to get creative with your free time and you know go <laughs> make up stuff. Do you do you you know like many of us, many uh, kids, um, whether intentionally or or, or not. Uh, kind of rebel against what our parents are doing or wanting. Were you were you the kid that was like, oh geez, I just want to. I want to be an accountant. Exactly. <laughs> I want to be an orthopedic surgeon. No, I kind of bought into the whole movie magic thing. I I knew how cool it was. I didn't though. I didn't dream of uh, becoming a makeup artist or a monster maker. I I my earliest memory of, of kind of knowing what I wanted to do. I was probably about five years old and I had been going to dad on, you know, with my dad on sets for forever. Uh, but I remember it hitting me at age five, how dad would, would work at so hard in our garage at home. That's what Stan Winston studio was. It was our garage. And, uh, he was working with lots of to toxic chemicals and just working morning to night. And in the end, uh, analysis, he, applied his work to these actors who got to have all the fun mm, and, right. and you know I saw him doing all this stuff and then they got to wear it and they got to finally become the character and I was like dad I want to do that part of your job I want to be the actor who gets to wear everything so um, that's, that's what captured my f fancy so I wasn't really rebelling at all I was just uh, you know sort of focusing on a different aspect of, of the entertainment industry I, I wasn't saying hey I want to go get into law this movie stuff is lame no I knew how cool it was and I've always been fascinated by it yeah it's interesting I almost feel like 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 not choosing to be an effects person out of the box and saying I'm going to be an actor it's like you're you're adjacent you know what I mean well, but yeah. you're still carving your own path yeah I mean I think that's fascinating and you're still you're still creating that character yeah you know, whereas... Oh, yeah, that's always, always, that's really what it boils down to, is that, you know, Dad created characters, but but in a different way. And that, and that he, he couldn't stand being called an effects guy. He said, no, 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 no. Uh, I and the, and the people who work for me, we are all character creators. We are not, you know, technicians who are, who are making zippers in the factory. We're actually creating the star of your film in many cases. And uh, not only designing it, but... but bringing it to life in the shop and then bring it to life on set in front of camera uh, just as any actor would so yes there's definitely a parallel there um but you know it's pretty common knowledge in the industry but that that was dad's dream too he he came out to hollywood to be an actor that was his thing he had, his headshots are hilarious he didn't know what he was doing <laughs> he had no connections in in the industry whatsoever but but he loved it and that's what he did at a college he was a, a drama minor with a fine arts major but he was in the virginia players on stage and he also did the makeup for for the other actors so acting was something that brought that's what that brought dad out to hollywood actually so in a way i was kind of uh picking up on on the path he he didn't take i guess uh by pursuing an acting career uh for myself that's very cool and that's something uh i'm not i, I it's it's inconceivable to me um, because uh, of who I am and what I'm into. But um, just to to let listeners know who may not realize, um, one 
you were in a lot of movies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny, sir. As I looked through your IMDb, I, I'm like, I, I, I couldn't bring your face into into my focus. And then as soon as I did, literally out loud, I was like, that guy. That guy. And I want to talk about your IMDb. There, there are some... I love digging, like, excavating little little things out of it. Um, uh, but, at, but first, you... As with a lot of kids, were you just... Like, was it a summer gig, sort of following your dad to the shop? Yeah, my my uh, dad had a strong work ethic, and, and as soon as I was old enough to actually be of use, he <laughs> would, you know, make me work at the shop. I mean, that's how I would earn my allowance or, or whatever. I would, after school, um, some days, go to the shop and do what needed to be done, whether it was, you know, sweeping up and cleaning up or or maybe running molds or whatever, patching and steaming, foam rubber, uh, whatever it might be, you know, I had to work. And uh, also over the summers, you know, I was I was at the shop. and that, So that started when I was about um, 14 and then continued through till I was about 23, which is after I graduated from college. I did go back to the shop and work there for about nine months. Um, and I was actually learning CGI. This is when Dad founded a, a digital company in the shop, a digital wing. Mm-hmm. This is as Jurassic Park was happening. He realized he had to invest in those tools as well. Um, so yeah, I worked for Dad on and off for nine years. You know, from age 13, 14 till about 23, before I went off and started to pursue my own thing as an actor. Right. I, I see on your IMDb. Would this have been like Invaders from Mars and? Amazing Stories time, like, 86, 87? Yeah, that was then. That was till I was about 17. Then I went off to school, right, okay. and it was more sporadic working for him. But I'd go back in the summertime and work on stuff. And then the last project I worked with Dad on was uh, was sculpting these these um, Terminator parts in, in 3D for the Terminator ride at Universal. Oh, cool. And that was oh, after Jurassic cool. Park. I, I also worked on uh, Jurassic Park as a puppeteer for for the entire shoot, and and then then there was that Terminator gig, and then that was it. I said, Dad, you know that dream that hatched when I was five of being an actor. I kind of got to do that because uh, time's getting away from me, so I'm going to pursue my own thing. And he and he was always the kind of man who, you know, his the mantra around our house all growing up was do what you love and success will come. Just follow your passions. That's mm-hmm. what yeah. will lead to you doing your best work. And and he said, yes, go, jump, be free. And that, that's how he, he always was awesome. with, with everyone, his, with his employees, with his... So it was never like, you know, you're not going to work for, with me anymore and for me, you know, <laughs> at all. He was like, go for it. So And, and that's... Uh, that's important for a lot of the a, a lot of the effects people their careers that we talk to because um, people would come and go, wouldn't they? I mean, they would like they'd work for a while, they'd go to some other place for a while, but then they'd come oh, back, yeah. you know. So it wasn't yeah, ever like some, some would come, some would come back, some would go off and, and change careers altogether. Uh, some would form their own companies, you right. know, over over the. Let's see, 1972, Dad passed. Over the, you know, almost 40 years of Stan Winston Studio, Dad, I think about a 1,000 artists and technicians uh, worked for him over over Uh, those years. And and many went on to 
form their own shops and win their own Academy Awards. Um, yeah. And Dad was always the kind of guy who said, "Go, you know, make your make your dreams a reality. You know, if if you're ready to move on from the shop, you, you have my blessing. You know." Do, Matt, do you remember uh, when that working in the garage turned into having a studio, like a, a, an actual place? Of yeah, business? yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, so it started around uh, 70s, 8, uh, when Dad got the uh, Star Wars holiday special of all time. <laughs> um, yes. Until then, you know, primarily what Dad had been doing was makeups, and uh, he had done that all out of our home. He had, in our first home, we had a tiny little garage, which is where he set up his his little studio space, and then we moved to a home that actually had a little guest room off of the garage, which turned into, you know, a, a makeup lab where he could have actors over, and he, he made it nice. He made it like a makeup room. And then in the garage, he would r- do the toxic stuff. He'd run the molds and whatever. And then in, in around 78, like I said, he got that show, Star Wars Holiday Special, and it required more, a more, uh, more mechanical stuff than he had been doing. Uh, those were articulated faces, and he moved into the Berman studio uh, and got some shop space there and actually had some help on, on that gig from the team at Berman. So that was the first time he left the house. And, and, and then from there, you know, he, he worked there for a while. He had sort of rented a shop space. Then he got his own place, and that was in uh, Northridge, California, not far from our house, just down the road. And that was the first, you know, official Stan Winston studio where it was actually a studio space, and, and uh, it all grew from there. Was was the Married with Children your first acting gig? Yeah, that was. What, yes, that was my. No, 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 no. Was that my first acting gig? That might have been my first TV gig. Yes, and then my first film was. Uh, was Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Okay. And that was right after college as well. Um, Dad Dad had a big belief in education, and he said, you know, I, I know you want to be an actor for your career, but, you, you know, until you finish college and, you know, high school and college, you're not allowed to go pursue a profession. Um, so that's why my credits don't really start until, until that, yeah, that year. Smart, yeah, smart Yeah. That's being a dad. That's ro- that's rocking. Well, you know, one of the things that your father is famous for is um, at the time in the '80s, there were there were all these little shops and stuff, and it was the heyday of, of effects work. But a lot of them were like, you know, um, <laughs> drunken parties <laughs> while you're doing. <laughs> and your dad is famous for look. This is a business. He was very. Um, Business-minded, and, and that's why you became one of the most successful guys out there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He he wanted to be taken seriously, and and he wanted, by extension, what he did to be taken seriously. And part of it was, you know, he he was raised in a professional family. My my um, nana and granddad, his parents, uh, ran a dress shop, a business that had been uh, owned by a, another family member. But then they took it over and. My granddad was more the kept the books. My my nana was the one who was the face person, and she was at the 
the dress store every day and was just super motivated, super business savvy, really knew how to run a, a really a really good business. And it all came down to customer service and how you present yourself. But that's what he was raised with, two very hardworking parents. And, and uh, he applied that same sort of level of professionalism to what he was doing. And, and I think, you know, a lot of other people who grew up and became monster makers maybe didn't have that, didn't have the business, the business owner mentality um, that dad did. Right. And that was through his parent. That was through his parents. But also it was that dad, as I said, came out to L.A. to be a star, to be an actor, to be famous, to be taken seriously and to, you know what I mean, for whatever reasons. He was the, the fat, nerdy kid and, and who, who played with dolls and monsters and I guess he was seeking some kind of uh, um, approval for, for his weird hobbies. And so I think that drove him. That really drove him. And, and, and I, I know it drove him to take his business and the business in general to a new height because, I mean, he was one of the, really the first celebrity monster makers. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it was because that was important to him. And, and he was right, you know. He was, he was absolutely right that the work these guys were doing, you know, often cases, was creating the star of the movie. This is what the audiences were coming to see. And, and he was right. <laughs> and, he, and he made sure the producers um, got it. And he insisted upon open, you know, credits in the opening. Uh, his credit in the opening credits, mm-hmm. you know, on the poster, sure. uh, an incredible wage to do what he did. You know, he broke down a lot of doors and and made it happen. He's so yeah. He, he's he rightfully pers- is, is famous for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's the person who's uh, instrumental in um, getting puppeteers. Um, SAG cards, right? Yeah, well, that's right. Well, in, within this realm, within the realm of creature effects, yes. He, you know, for years when creature effects artists would come to set and, and operate their their characters, they were not getting uh, SAG wages or Screen Actors Guild wages or any of this because they weren't considered actors. They were considered um, te- technicians, below-the-line technicians. Hmm. And for Jurassic Park... Dad realized that, you know, this was a huge union show. This was, you know, Universal's a big corporation. Right. He was going to have a lot of his guys on set and had to figure out the umbrella under which they would be paid. And, you know, it made sense that, you know, they're, they're performing these characters. They, they are actors in a sense, and they should be covered as actors. And Universal was like, oh, man, that's going to be expensive. <laughs> to have to pay all these residuals out to these quote actors, but Dad stood up to them and he said, "No, that's what they are." And he got Screen Actors Guild involved, and they said, "No, that is what they are. You're going to have to cover them uh, as as uh, SAG actors." And that has been industry standard ever since, and that has provided benefits for countless uh, creature effects artists um, through their SAG royalties and everything else, insurance, yeah. everything. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, you were, you played the seminary student in Fight Club? Yes, I did. This is the one that gets sprayed with the water, correct? Yeah, that's me. Look at you. (laughs) I love that. See? Little nuggets, buddy. And then you beat the shit out of that guy. Yeah. Nice job. I choke out my... 
that I choked out that dude. And, That's uh, right. Yeah, that you did. Was my, that was my buddy, uh, Stuart Blumberg, and we're both good friends with Edward Norton, and that's how we got got on Fight Club. We all went to college together, and uh, Stuart's bigger than me. And he, you know, when they initially choreographed our fight in the basement there at Fight Club, uh, he was going to win. And then on the day, Fincher goes, you know, I want Matt to win, because I was smaller and whatever. <laughs> and so uh, Stuart was theming, you know, and we had been working out for, you know, six weeks, you know, doing push-ups, just getting in shape for this thing. And uh, and I got to beat his ass. Was, <laughs> was the friendship with Norton also how you got Keeping the Faith? Uh, yes, and, and Keeping the Faith, and also Stuart uh, wrote that. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to hit a couple of these. Yeah, Galaxy yeah. Quest. Well, Galaxy Quest, obviously, Dad provided the aliens and all the, the makeups for that. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, and I got thrown a bone and got to be one of the Thermians. Nice. And uh, one of the funniest table reads I've ever been to, it was the entire cast. <laughs> uh, you know, Tony Shalhoub and Sigourney Weaver and Tim, Tim Allen and just all of them. Uh, Rickman. I remember Sam, Sam Rockwell stealing, the, stealing that reading. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah, yeah he was so funny. And Alan Rickman. Obviously, alone. Alan Rickman. Yeah, got And it. Rickman, I mean, it was the... That had to be one of the funniest table reads ever. And then, of course, working on the movie was, was a blast, uh, even though it was brief. And then I was slated to work on that entire film as a Thermian, but I ended up getting another movie that was uh, taking me to Paris and going to pay me some more, so I, I couldn't do it. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, was, it was fun. That one was fun. Was, was the relationship via your dad also how you landed AI, or was it... Oh yeah! Anything that? you see there that my dad worked on, anything you see in my credits that my dad worked on, you better believe that's how I got the job. Okay, a couple more. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, my my dad would always say though he would always say this. He go, being my son is gonna open a lot of doors for you, um, in terms of getting auditions, whatever. But he said in the end, every filmmaker is is not gonna take any risks with their work of art. They're not going to put someone bad into a role and risk ruining a scene, ruining a movie, um, or anything like that. He said, so I can open the door, but you're the one who's going to have to get that job. So, right. you know, for all those, I, I would go in, I'd, I'd, you know, read for the casting director and whatever. So, you know, I chose to believe that what Dad said was true. And, <laughs> and you know, now that I've been around for a while, I know that it's true. Yeah. You know, no, no one's going to risk their project that they've invested millions in um, by putting an actor in a part that could potentially ruin that scene. Um, so, I, so you know, yeah. I think I got those jobs on my own a little bit. I, but do, not too. I, well, <laughs> I, do, I do, too. I was going to say, uh, Tom and I are, we often are talking about character actors and how... Um, movie helper, we call yeah, it. Yeah, a movie helper, because, like, they're, they're great actors, they're readily identifiable, and they... They lend a, 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 I don't know, a fabric to the film mm -hmm. that that otherwise, or a texture that otherwise isn't there. That's right, and not everyone can be the the big star that brings everyone in. I mean, mm -hmm. everyone other than the the big, you know, two or three stars is exactly what you're talking about. They're they are the 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 rest of the fabric of that story, and and they have to be excellent mm -hmm. all the way down the line. 
because otherwise it stands out and it, and it wrecks the movie. Yeah, you're 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 the support structure yeah. for that guy to shine. Yeah, yeah, um, supporting cast. Um, I want to ask you about about Schmidt working with Nicholson. Oh, that was a dream come true, and, and that had nothing to do with and that had nothing to do with my dad. How cool is that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I that was directed by Alexander Payne, who is a brilliant, brilliant auteur. He he did Election and, and Sideways, mm-hmm. uh, The Descendants, uh, About Schmidt. Uh, he, he's just brilliant. And I remember going in and doing the audition and him looking at me after my audition and going, you know, it's kind of awesome when you an actor comes into the room and you see the character that you wrote. Nice. And... And that was it. He said that to me, and I was like, "Oh, thank you." You know, and I thought he was just blowing smoke. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I get a personal phone call from Alexander, a message saying, and he's from Nebraska, so he's got a real like aw shucks kind of energy. And he left a message, "Hey, hey, Matt Winston, it's Alexander Payne. Um, just calling to see if you want to be in my movie. Call me back." And, uh, <laughs> and of course. I knew Jack was going to be in it, and I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my God. I, I had a couple scenes with Jack Nicholson, and they, they flew me out to Nebraska to, to do a table read with the, with the rest of the cast, and Jack was there. And, you know, a star of that stature, he doesn't necessarily need to show up for these types of things, but he did. And, and I remember being struck by how absolutely... Um, how Jack really just seemed to love being an actor and being a part of all this stuff. And then I went back out to shoot the movie with him. And I remember, number one, there was a voice in my head going, oh, my God, it's Jack Nicholson. I'm doing (laughs) scenes with Jack Nicholson. It's just going, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And now he's on the set, and that's Jack Nicholson. And now he said, oh, my God, and we're going to act together. Um, So there was that. But then there was just, again, being struck by how giving he was. And, And I've been on sets with actors who are not this way. Um, but like, for example, for my coverage, right? When, when you shoot a scene, you shoot a, um, a master shot where you see all the actors, you see the whole space. Then you cut in for coverage where you're seeing close-ups of the actors, right? So sometimes big stars, when, when their coverage is done and it's time for the supporting actors' coverage, they'll leave sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the, the script supervisor will read their dialogue with you. And you're just looking at, at a piece of tape or, or looking at a, a stand-in or something. But Jack was there for that. He stood wow. around. Even when his stuff was done, he, he stuck around. Even though the camera was only seeing me, he was, he was there for me off camera. And then the other amazing thing um, that I remember from working with Jack was uh, there's another scene. It didn't make it in the film, but it's in the DVD extras. Uh, we, we leave this office and then we're downstairs in this lobby of this insurance company where I've taken over his job. And, and it was just me and Jack in this elevator to start every take. It was just the two of us in this elevator. You, the camera couldn't even see us. And then on action, the, the elevator would open and we would walk out and then you'd see us in the shot. So it, for the you know, a few moments before every take, it was just me and Jack in this closed elevator with no witnesses, no one, just me and Jack. And, I started improvising before they would yell action just to get into character. I would stay in character. I'd be like, hey there, uh, Warren. That was his character's name. Uh, how, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. Whatever it was I was saying. 
not knowing if Jack Nicholson would just riff with me because the cameras weren't seeing it. But every time he did, and every time it was different. And I was like, dude, I love this guy. That's so, awesome. Yeah, that big is Jack awesome. Nicholson fan. Big Jack Nicholson fan ever since, and always loved him. And he's one of the good ones, folks. The um, the role you had on Friends, the bit you you got a yes role on the biggest show on TV. Was that how validating was that? Yeah, it was the final. Um, it was the final season. It was the biggest show on TV, and and uh, I was felt lucky to get get in that that final season and the the residuals keep coming so <laughs> thankful for that job that's the and yeah. uh and i got to work with um uh, lisa kudrow and uh oh gosh funny funny actor who played her her boyfriend on the show oh gosh i'm uh, terrible very he, italian he's always worked no 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 um, different guy i'm sorry <laughs> it's all Lenny and it's okay. to me. Yeah, it's Paul, it's Paul um, Rudd. Paul oh. Rudd. <laughs> Paul oh, Rudd. that guy. What did you say, man? Paul Rudd. Yeah. Paul Rudd. Um, so that was fun. That, that was fun. I also want to ask, yeah, and you're not going to believe what I'm about to say. I want to ask you about kicking and screaming. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. One of the best jobs of my life. Really? With Work, working with Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall and Will Ferrell. I yeah. Mean, Will Ferrell was the star of that movie. And, and uh, I. it's about a, a father and son, played by Robert Duvall and Will Ferrell. Very different guys. Um, dad's a super alpha jock. Son is a, you know, gentle, you know, energy conscious dude, played by Will. And it's soccer, and uh, I'm one of the, the parents on Will's soccer team, and I was on that for three months at Universal. Uh, it was kids, so it was very short days because kids can't work a long time. Um, and every day I'd come to this set, and it was the funniest people in the world improvising and making a movie. And, and uh, wow, that was a great job. I gotta that's tell awesome. you, <laughs> that, and that's rare, isn't it, that you you get to work on a project. Um, for that long? Uh, sure. I mean, you know, features usually you'll come in and you'll, unless you're the star, you're going to come and you're going to work your your day or two or your week, whatever. Uh, but that one, you know, there were so many scenes that we had to be in that we were in throughout, and it was great. Uh, and yeah, it's always nice. You know, as an actor, that's I think that's the biggest challenge is just the regularity of it is not there. You know, you're you're working a few days here and then you have a lot of time off and then you're working a few days here and so it's nice when you're working on a steady thing and that's very rare in movies in tv it's much much more the norm if you get a tv series you're working all the time um but yeah movie acting is different the first time that i saw you in something um and i'm and i'm like ah you know the other than oh it's, it's that guy mm. right it was uh, Little Miss Sunshine, and uh, as far as recognizing, it's like that's Matt Winston. Um, what was that like? Oh gosh, Little Miss Sunshine. You know that is one that one that really did well. That movie was nominated for Best Picture. It was so shocking, though. It was so shocking because it was a little independent movie. It mm -hmm. made for nothing. Made for I think about five million dollars or something. Um, 
with a, a good cast but no stars at the time. Steve Carell was not a star at the time. Right. Um, Greg Kinnear and uh, and um, just. You know, oh, Alan Arkin. Oh, but Alan Arkin. But not, yeah. no one expected what happened. You know, right. and I, I went in. I, I didn't even read the script. <laughs> I, I didn't even know what I was doing. I, I just, I knew it had to be a a, 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 a pageant guy, and I was given some links to study by the directors of some of these pageant directors, and so I. I did that, and they gave me that Wayne Newton hairstyle and a spray tan, <laughs> and I just was the best pageant announcer I could be, you know, and, and, and forgot about it, totally forgot about it. And then it went on to become The Darling at Sundance, and it was sold for a record at Sundance, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's that little thing I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it went on to just go nuts and and, you know, get all this attention and... I'm so proud to be a part of it, but I had no idea it would do what it did. You know, right. uh, so that was a, that was definitely a fun one. We, I mean, we, we see that um, we don't see it enough, but we see that where, um, for whatever reason, well, well, n- well, not for whatever reason, but number one, the movies that this happens to are universally good. They're just great films. They're great storytelling. Um, other examples would be like Juno, right. um, it, these these smaller character-driven films, and for whatever reason, those films really capture the imagination mm-hmm. and then and kind of surprise everybody. Uh, yeah, well, those are and and why they surprise everyone is because they're so uh, counter the the Hollywood machine style of filmmaking, which is all about you know. How can we dazzle audiences with with visuals? How can we blow their minds with effects and that stuff? Mm-hmm. Whereas Little Miss Sunshine and Juno, these are very tiny little movies. These are not the movies Hollywood makes. Yeah. Um, these are independent films. They got their money independently. Um, and then found an audience, and that's when Hollywood goes, oh, that? Okay, we'll distribute that. Yeah, you we'll know? do more of that. They, they yeah. don't... <laughs> Yeah, they don't initiate it, though. Right, They're right, not right. interested, in, especially nowadays. I mean, uh, studios are, are bankrolling very few films, and the ones they are bankrolling are are gigantic tentpole movies with right. built-in audience. Yeah. You know, the next the next installment in the Star Wars, uh, you know, franchise or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that's why those other films are so surprising, because... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hollywood isn't making them, and when they break through, it's incredible, and it's really against all the odds. And I think people are so refreshed; they're like, "Oh, cool! The, yeah. I can identify with this. It's not about a superhero; it's about a messed up family." And wow, it speaks to me, you know. And in a weird way, it becomes a film they you can champion, you know, to your friends and right. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's yeah. You, 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 uh, there's a rash of TV stuff next that it's it's literally it's ridiculous to go through these because <laughs> you've been on just about everything. everything. Um, oddly, I want to ask you about working on FDR American Badass with Barry Boswick, who I think is one of the funniest humans on the planet. Right. Um, I did a podcast well, that, with him once that was just bananas. <laughs> well, that has got to be one of the craziest. And I, there's a few on my on my resume there on IMDb that are just ridiculous, ridiculous 
crazy movies, and that might be the most crazy movie I've ever been a part of. It's a tiny little movie, um, but it's pretty balls out what these filmmakers do. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and they've done a few, that same team. Um, and, yeah, Barry Boswick, cool guy, you know. He played a great FDR, American badass. He's killing, you know, monsters. Yeah. And uh, good stuff. Yeah, I, I, it's just... Uh, we did a podcast with him. This was on another one I worked on years ago, and it was like so much fun, just impro- improvising yeah. and and just talking back and forth. Amazing. Had no problem saying fuck. No, 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 no. no, no. <laughs> he told me to go oh, yeah. fuck myself. As a matter of fact. Um. So. Um. I guess this is kind of a, a, a transition into into the school, but um. Is your is your last acting gig on Harbinger Down? It might it might be. I think it is. I'm officially done. Okay. <laughs> IMDb lists some some things: hot bath, stiff drink, and a close shave. One and that two. was a project uh, a, a western uh, that was done. I mean, I basically retired from acting. I want to say about five years ago, okay. uh, where I told my agents, "I'm basically, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Uh, I'm no longer interested in auditioning for anything. Uh, if there's an offer, I will take a look." Uh, and that's that's where I've been for the last five years, and even the last two years, I said no more offers. Even I, I'm just, wow. I don't have, I literally don't have time to right. to do it, uh, or or the interest anymore, actually. Uh, to, to act, and, and that's because my my full time life is is running the Stan Winston School, and I really had no idea it would be so engrossing. I thought it was something I could kind of pass off to other people, but I have found I think it's so many business owners found that the only one who's going to um, care if things are done right is is the owner, you know, and and so it's it's just taken over my life mm. running running the school. And and you've become the face. You've become the you know. When I think of the Stan Winston School, I immediately think of you. And and you're often hosting things. You're um, when you guys go out live to events, say Monster Palooza, um, or um, from the set of Harbinger Down. You know, you're you're the guy. You're the you're the face that we see, and uh, and that's important. Yeah, it's it's so interesting that as I kind of pulled away from on camera life, I'm still right. very much on camera <laughs> through the school. The the, dif- the difference is I, I'm not acting anymore. I'm I'm just myself. Um, it, it, I have to tell you, it's not the favorite part of my job. In yeah. fact, I, I look forward to the day when I I don't have to be on camera. But but as it is, you know, I I can speak to things in a way that a lot of people cannot. I, I, I was raised in this world, and I, I do know the artist intimately, and I, I, I can speak to it. And there's not a lot of people who can do that at my company. You know, you know they're all, I love them, but they haven't been around this world for, four, you know, gosh, almost 50 years now. Right. So it's, it would be kind of tough to find a replacement MC for the school, but though I, 
Oh, I hope to do so someday. <laughs> I'm telling you, I really do. I really do. But my kids and my partner Eric, Eric's kids, none of them are interested right now in running running the school. So, so it might be uh, might be me for a while. We'll see. Uh, talk to me about the curriculum at the school. Yeah, well, the way we shaped it, number one for your listeners, Stan Winston School is 100% online. Uh, although we do work with, with brick-and-mortar schools and they do have access to our video library, uh, we really are all about virtual education. And we're also very much about... Um, making sure that our online curriculum suits any uh, artist or any technician's uh, path or passions. So they can, you know, subscribe to all of it or they can dive in to our courses that, that appeal to them in a more sort of a la carte, choose-your-own-adventure way. So so we've, we've really strived to, to do that, you know, make sure that it works for whatever you're interested in. And, and also what makes our school unique is that it's just the price point is, is a tiny fraction of a fraction of what an art school would charge you uh, on a brick-and-mortar art school. So, you know, we really want to make this much more accessible for people by making it affordable. So I would say those are the things that distinguish our curriculum is that there's a million things to do and you can kind of choose your way through it and it's not going to, you know, cause you to incur a lot of debt before you even get started trying to make a living as an artist. So that's what I would say. And in terms of what we cover, we cover everything that it takes to make a character. That you know, that's why we called it the Stan Winston School of Character Arts. It's all about that. It's all about how do you create a character and it's across any kind of media you can imagine. It doesn't have to be just effects for movies. It can be a stop-motion animation. It can be uh, creating walk-around suits for live entertainment. It can be a cell animation, 2D animation. It can be marionettes. It can be really anything or any technique of the future. It's really all just, you know, has to be centered around character. That, that's what Dad was all about, and that's what we're all about. So long, long answer to a short question. No, 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 that's great. Two, two, two things real quick. Where the hell were you <laughs> when I was <laughs> going through art school? Because I'm probably wait. Where be... the hell was the internet? Where the hell was well, the internet? Well, yeah, well, yeah I was like, I blame I, I'm gonna be like, I, it's like, oh, damn it, man. It's like I, I'm, I don't think I'm ever gonna pay off my student loans because no, it's nuts. It's really nuts. It's and, and I'm not gonna slam. I'm not gonna slam art school. Oh, I will. There is value <laughs> to, to having a. Well, you can, you can, but there is value to the in-person. There really is. Mm -hmm. But the cost has gotten to be so absurd well, that, that, you know, we, we want to all offer an alternative to that. Yeah, and, and, and you do, and that is what is amazing. I, I'll tell you this. When I was going to school, I was going to school for um, visual effects and motion graphics, so all, all computer stuff, right? And... At that time, the only thing even vaguely comparable to what you're doing, and, and it's not the same, um, was uh, there was a there was a, 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 a there's a guy named Andrew Kramer, and he was doing this thing called Video Copilot mm -hmm. tutorials on how to use After Effects and blah blah blah. Uh, if it had not been for that guy, 
not only myself, but everybody else I was going to school for would have never got through it because the instructors weren't teaching us. They said, okay, you know, here's how you press this, press this, press this, and then, okay, now go make something. We're like, what the hell, you know? And we had to rely on people online basically teaching us. When I moved up here and I realized everybody wanted practical effects, which is, I mean, to be honest, what I wanted to do since I was a little kid anyways, I found, ta-da, the Stan Wits the School of Character mm -hmm. Arts. And if it wasn't for you guys, I, I wouldn't have been able to get any of those gigs. And, and you know, by the way, thank you for sharing that. <sighs> and, and that is what I hear every single day of my life. Now okay. that we've founded this school, every single day we get a note through customer care or online with someone saying, look at what I made. I never would have had a chance to go to art school, but thanks to you guys, I've, I've learned how to do this. And, and that is what has driven us to continue doing it be, because it's working and it's, it's, it's really rewarding. And, and that is why also... I turned my back on my acting uh, career is that, you know, I had never had that level of impact or at least wasn't hearing about it mm -hmm. uh, in anything I ever did before. And, and the school has really, I guess, fulfilled that part of me that wants to, I guess, make a difference or make an impact while I'm on this planet, you yeah. know, and, and I know this is true for everyone who works at Stan Winston School, that it's it's kind of cool to see that people are their lives are changing because of right. something that you're doing, well, and I, and it's great. It's I, really it's very fulfilling. I, I think another major difference between you guys and brick and mortar uh, schools is that you have gathered the best of the best to to instruct. This isn't some some art student at a local community college. Right, this is who like wound up getting a job because mm -hmm. that's what they yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, just, you guys just have just amazing folks, and I think um, there's a lot to be said from osmosis learning, like watching someone really good at what they do do what they do. Um, I think. Oh, totally, totally, and that's you know that's it. You're learning from the masters with us, and and what you learn is so far beyond just the techniques they're sharing, it's the professional philosophies that led them to choose those techniques. It's what be what behind that. And all of the, the sort of business etiquette that you learn, all the the sort of ins and outs of how to conduct yourself as a professional artist, what it was like to work for Rick Baker or Stan Winston or Tom Savini or Dick Smith or any of these guys and all those nuggets. I mean, that's what makes our lessons really special. You know, you can go on YouTube and you can see how to sculpt a mask by some amateur teacher, and it's a three-minute video. Yeah, and that's going to cover the basics, but ours, our mask sculpting course is going to be with someone who's been doing it 30 years at the highest level, and it's a three-hour to ten-hour course. Wow. You're really going to feel like you spent time in a Hollywood shop after you're after you're done so yeah that is what makes us unique and 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 that's also what makes my job so fun is, is one of the biggest parts of my job is is recruiting 
artists to teach for us, artists and technicians. And so I'm constantly in touch with the most talented people in the universe, and I have to convince them to sit down and let me film them do their thing for days on end. And they say yes, and I get to go and hang out with them and be inspired by what they're doing and kind of make stars of them in a little way. You know, these are people who who were working in the in the shadows a little bit. You know, the only awareness you'd ha- have of them was in the crawl at the end of the movie. And, and now, you know, they have their own lessons online and they've got international students and and they have a, a new, you know, revenue stream. And I don't know, it's it's just great. <laughs> I, I do enjoy my my job and I really enjoy the people we get to work with. Awesome. Okay, so I'm going to back up just a minute. Um, when did the idea, or when slash how did the idea for the school come up? Was it something that had been brewing for a while? Was it was it just like no, an epiphany? No. Yeah, it, I can tell you that uh, for the first 39 years of my life, I had never given one moment's thought to starting an online art school. Never entered my mind. I was an actor and a screenwriter a little bit, and that was what I was going to do. And then Dad went and died, and that was really mean of him to do. Mm. Uh, And it would just sort of turned our family life upside down. It was, it really reverberated throughout our lives. He was the Pied Piper of our family and, and of this industry in many ways. Right. And uh, it sucked. And what happened was his team, his four supervisors for many years, um, wanted to continue building creatures, and they continued to do so under the banner Legacy Effects. And there was no Stan Winston studio, right? So about a year and a half later, uh, we found ourselves really missing dad really missing our connection to this magical world and we thought we have to do something we have to uh, bring bring the brand back somehow we have to do something to keep dad alive uh you know what are we going to do and we talked about it a lot you know the family and we wanted to make sure it just wasn't cheesy it couldn't be you know some line of halloween masks it it couldn't (laughs) right it couldn't be it had to be special. It had to be something he would be excited by. And we started thinking about education because this is what Dad had, had talked about doing in the final years of his life. But at a certain point, he became too ill to do it. And that, that was to travel around the world and deliver lectures and share how he and his team did the things they did. He never got to do it. And we're like, what about education? That makes sense. And for a little while, we were thinking about brick and mortar and, and building a school here in Los Angeles. And at that time, I was learning how to, to play guitar, but I was doing it online with YouTube videos and, and a, a few sites that I liked. And I was getting pretty good at it. And I said, you know, I'm learning guitar online. What about if we made an online school? It, it, it kind of works. And the family was interested and we started doing our research, and and that was it. It was we're going to do education, and we're going to do it online, and that that's how it was born. And that was about a year and a half after Dad's passing. So Dad died in uh, June of 2008, which is almost 10 years, 
next next month it'll be 10 years i can't wow. believe it mm. and then a year and a half later uh we decided to found the school and and got started and it took a good two and a half years no almost three years before we were ready to launch to the public it was a lot of r&d it was a lot of you know none of us had experience in that it was it was just figuring out how the heck we were going to do this well even and uh yeah even even like technical stuff like one of one of my one of the things i really really enjoy uh, is going back through the library and going to like some of the earliest lessons and seeing seeing the evolution of 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 um, how the lessons were put together how they were filmed what you decided to release and didn't and and what i what i love is now uh, if you know if somebody's lesson takes five hours, you get all five hours. You get yeah, you, you yeah. get yeah, you get the artist working on the piece all that time, as opposed to somebody like you know do, you know. And then we cut to this. And the, have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at a tutorial on YouTube? And you know, it's like, look, I have this blob of clay, and then there's a fade, and like, oh, now I have this face, and it's like, wait, no, wait, I want to see how you got that face. Yeah, we, that's it, we, like I said, this is not, you know, three-minute highlight reel of what it takes to do these things. This is actually deep dive, this is, we want it to feel like you've spent the day with an artist, that you've spent the day there in the shop with them, looking over their shoulder, Seeing their 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 mistakes, seeing them go in the wrong direction and find their way back, uh, and, and see it all, you know. And sometimes we'll get complaints, you know, from certain types of students who are like, you know, I wish it was like three minutes. And I want to say to them, sometimes I do, that if you can't sit with one of the best artists in the world for a few hours and watch them do their thing. Then maybe this isn't for you yeah, because because to do anything at the top level takes hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and months and years of intense focus and labor and yeah the people who who jump in and dig how long our lessons are are the are the people who have that level of commitment to achieve true art right mm, so. Yeah. That's what we're. That's who we're making these lessons for. We're making these lessons for people who are truly passionate uh, about it, and and they love that these things are three to five to ten hours long. They right, love right, right. It. absolutely. By far, my um, best online experiences ever have have been through your school, sir. Well, thank you. And and as you said, you know, it's fun to look back to the first lessons because. You know, you guys are seeing a bunch of people figure it out over years, you know. With what we know now versus what we knew when we were shooting those first lessons is incredible. We've grown so much. And, you know, there's a permanent record of, of our of our growth as a company. You just have to watch the lessons from, you know, eight years ago to, to now to see it, to see that, that progression. And, and we're always learning. We're always changing. We're always learning. You know, and that I have to say that is one of the most exciting things about us being an online company is that, you know, as soon as you think you've figured out 
online commerce and how algorithms <laughs> work and, and, and organic search and advertising. The moment you think you've figured it out, it all changes, and, and you have to relearn it. And that, to me, is what keeps this very fresh, you mm-hmm. know, because the web is changing so quickly, and that, that's exciting to me. That, that, you know, obviously making monsters is exciting, but e-commerce and web business is also really exciting to me. I love that part of the job. Two quick thoughts on this. Number one, your the idea of a Stan Winston school, given what you told me just a moment ago about your dad saying, "Put off looking for your you know your career, your passion until after you get an education," right, makes absolute sense. And and now knowing that, it it make it makes even more sense. Yeah. Um, the other thing is the benefit of um, spending time with people at the top of their game is oftentimes worth more than um, uh, the lesson itself. You're, right. You're, right? Uh, one of the most of the time. I, I would say most of the time. I agree. That, that, is, that is more beneficial than the techniques you'll learn. Techniques are great, but techniques come and go. Mm-hmm. But what's special is, is learning the philosophy of someone who is, is at the top of their game, like you said. That's what makes our lessons special. Right, and watching how they react when something goes wrong, how they identify those happy accidents, and how they they just comport themselves is so... I mean, the, the most illuminating thing I ever did about filmmaking was to go to a film set. And sure. went, oh, well, this is... This makes more sense now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. No. I was going to say, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, Matt, um... Through your school, one, I have made so many friendships with heroes of mine, and um, and and I, I, I've I've been able to um, I've been able to connect with people that I would have never been able to connect with um, if it wasn't for your school. So and, and well in. In one case, um, Scott Scott Land was was my friend, you know, prior to him coming out of the school. But in a lot of cases, like Shannon Shannon John Shea is like he's gold. Yeah. He's one of the best people I've ever met in my life, and and it it's it's because of the school that I was able to do that. That's so it's so satisfying that 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 uh, through this project we have been able to connect all of these guys with a, a worldwide community of uh, like-minded people who love what they love. And like I said, you know, th- this is what keeps us coming back and keeps us uh, working because it's a lot of hard work to run a company. It's nonstop. Mm-hmm. Harder than I ever worked as an actor by so much. Sure. But it's that, that kind of bridge building that makes it worthwhile. And, you know, you brought up Shannon, who I consider a brother. You know, I've known Shannon since I was, gosh, 12, 13 years old. Right. Um, you know, he uh, recently we got a, a, a note from some some student, college student, who was looking to interview someone in the industry and about whatever it was. And we reached out to Shannon and said, hey, you willing to talk to this college student, give him some advice? And Shannon was like, of course, you know, and, and now they're talking. And... and you know, just like you developed a relationship with Shannon. And, and it's true with so many of the artists. You know, some artists are, are maybe not as open to 
forming friendships sure. in your pen pals, but <laughs> but but many but but many are because they see a mirror of themselves and it reminds them why they fell in love with this mm-hmm. uh, to begin with, and and you know that can people can forget that you know as much as making monsters for the movies is fun, it's also a grind, especially when you're making monsters for other people and you're not uh, allowed to make the creative decisions. Right. Um, so connecting with this new generation who aren't jaded yet often will rekindle these these artists' passion for it again. And, and I know that Shannon, you know, we were his first experience teaching, really, and it it's, I think it's his favorite thing in the world. I was going to say, teaching. it's so he's natural. Um, it's just like, bam. Yeah, he loves it. He loves it. You know, he he's now full time over at Spectral Motion, you know, running a helping to run a, an effect shop again, uh, because it is it is more lucrative than teaching. Uh, but he he loves the teaching, and he's like, I someday I want to retire from running a shop, and I, I want to teach more full time because it's just so it's just so satisfying to him. Yeah. And, and that's true for so many of the teachers. They're like, gosh, I love this. Um, another teacher, David Monzingo, who I just saw yesterday, he's yeah. the art department uh, supervisor at Legacy Effects. I've known him forever. He said, you know, out of all the years he's been in character creation and making monsters at some of the biggest shops in the world, mainly Dad's studio, the most satisfying moment of his life was not, you know, being on set with Steven Spielberg, not working with James Cameron. It was this note he got from uh, a mother whose son had watched his lesson on the Stan Winston School site. And she said, my son has had, you know, very, very severe uh, autism his whole life. He's been nonverbal. He's been hard to um, find a way to connect into the world, you know, and get him out of this cocoon of silence. And he said, you're, she said, your lesson engaged his imagination in a way nothing has before. He watched the entire thing. He's sculpting. He's doing all these things. You broke through to him. And, and awesome. Dave has that note on his wall, and he says it's the most impactful thing he's ever done in his life. So Dude. once again, it just gets back to you know giving these incredible artists a chance to connect with the outside world and be reminded of how special what they do is, you know. And that's mm-hmm. that's one of the fulfilling things about what we do here. Man, how badass is that? That's yeah. like I that, that is so fucking cool. Um, I uh, and I guess I, I, that's the 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 point of of what I was saying is that your school I, I, and and this you know probably wasn't what you were thinking about whenever you you put the school together has done so much more than just teaching people how to do A, B, and C. It, it's, it's, a, it's an entire community. Um, it's worldwide. And uh, again, I'm, I'm speechless because it, 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 it does so many things other than just the technical aspects of what you're doing. So hats off to you, sir. Thank you, and you know it's not it's it's never one person. It, it all comes down from from a philosophy that Dad shared when he was uh, near the end. He was near the end, and and I sat down with him, and I said, 
you know, Dad, you, you've been the king of the mountain for, you've been on top of the mountain for, for many years. Um, and I want, I want you to tell me if it's important for you for the brand to live on, for your name to live on when you pass away. Is this important to you? You know, and I just trying to understand Dad's wishes, you know, right. as yeah. a son. And he thought about it for a while, and he said, you know, yeah, yes, it is important to me. Uh, but not, you know, that the brand live on, that the name Stan Winston live on, attached to something. He said, but it's not to remind people of one man at all. I, I want it to be a brand that is about the amazing things that can happen when a group of creative people get together uh, behind a common mission. That's what I want it to be about, you know. And so, you know, the Stan Winston School, I believe, is an embodiment of that. It's what happened when lots of creative people, lots of passionate people got together to make something happen. And so, you know, hopefully Dad would be proud. Mm. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. Um, you have something that is very special when compared to anything that's even trying to do what you're doing, and that is the live events. Um, the live events are, are, or the live lessons, rather. The live lessons are, they're just, they're gold, because... You are watching something live. You're able to interact and talk to your instructor, um, and they usually, you know, they usually cover days. It's, it's not like you know, just like you know, a three-hour lesson or a four-hour lesson. It's like, look, you're strapping in, and and the great thing <laughs> is, once you once you pay for the live lesson, you have access to it from then on. Can you talk about the live lessons for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, you know, if you want to see the the growth of our company, just watch the earliest lessons up till today, and we we changed so much. And part of one of the biggest changes was was switching to that that live format for when we would actually record the lessons. And how it used to work was, you know, we'd show up at at a shop or someone's garage and we would just film someone do their thing and then we would edit it together and we'd release a streaming version and a DVD version and that would be the first time students had access to it. Well, about five years ago, I suggested to the team, why don't we just on a laptop, you know, webcam, just on a laptop webcam, allow the audience to be a fly on the wall. You know, they wouldn't be getting the same experience uh, as the DVD where they're seeing all the beautiful camera angles or whatever, they'd be more like, you know, um, watching from the corner, you know, on a webcam. And that's how we started it. It was with a Jordi Shell lesson. We had our, our normal cameras set up, and then I had a laptop with its webcam, and they joined via that as well. It was very low res for them, though. It was very – it wasn't the full experience. Um, but it was super exciting to have people in the room with us, even though they weren't seeing everything in great t detail. Well, very soon thereafter, we started pushing the technology of it to where they were getting, you know, a three-camera HD experience 
where they were seeing it just as high quality as the finished DVD lessons, but in real time. And that's nice. what we've been doing for years now. It's and and like you said, it's I would never go back to the old way because number one, the student the students asking the questions are what drive these lessons in many cases. Yeah. You know, the the lessons will take a turn based on an amazing question. And you'll go way off of the planned curriculum, and it's fine. It's great, you know. And it's questions I never would have thought to ask, or, you know, the sound guy who I bring would never have thought to ask. But students watching, they ask the best questions. The, the other thing that's great about the live is that it really keeps all of us on our toes. You know, when you're doing a live event, you know, there's pressure. You're to pressure to put on your game face and do your best job, you know. You know, yeah, the artist is aware we're going to cut out stuff later on for the DVD re-release, but the live audience is seeing everything, you know. They're seeing the whole uncut experience, so right. you got to really bring your A-game and, and be a good teacher. Oh, so, it's... It's gold, man. I, like, you know, yeah. hearing Tim Gore curse at some airbrush because it's not <laughs> it's not doing what he wants it to do, or the Kyoto yeah. brothers bickering amongst themselves. It's yeah. gold. Yeah, that's that's the la that's the third part of it that I that I love is that you are seeing uh, all the warts. You know, you're seeing when things go wrong. You're seeing when the technology goes wrong. You're seeing if sound drops out or if we miss a shot. And in a way, you're getting um, to become part of the family because you're seeing you're seeing us with our pants down. <laughs> in a way, <laughs> like, it's it's very and that's like you said. Well, we believe what we've built here is more than just you know video lessons, but truly a community. And and you know it's always the same faces who are coming back for more. And we do develop real relationships, and and uh, it's very special. The live course is really made this a much more personal experience um, well, you know, having that. The thing yeah. that I find, and and I am not an effects guy, artist, or I couldn't draw to save my life, as you know, but the thing that I think is really important is the long game, and that is project ahead 15 years when some of these guys have passed and we still have now documentation of right. their talent, of their creative process, of, of their ability, right. of their technique. And I think that alone is worth it in gold. How, how awesome would it have been if we had uh, um, film documentation of Jack Pierce, for example, working yeah. with... You know what I mean? Or, Ray, or Ray Harry, or Ray Harry oh, teaching stop-motion yeah. stop technique. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think or, you're doing or Lon or Lon Chaney Senior teaching an out of the kit makeup class. Right? Man, uh, see, I think you're doing the the, the, the Lord's, the Lord's work, work. Yeah, absolutely. The, this is it, yeah. so there's nothing not to like about what you guys are doing down there. How do people get in touch with the school? Just go to stanwinstonschool.com. It's all there. Uh, we have a uh, contact us uh, link in the footer of every page. Uh, and also, we are very, very active on social media. We have a massive audience over many platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Pinterest, gosh, YouTube. Um, and we're very, we answer everything. So if you just ask a, que a question on the site, 
or on our, on our social media platforms, we will respond to you. And uh, we'd love to welcome you into our world. Awesome. Yeah. Let me, let me tell you something about Matt. This, is, this, this, this was amazing to me. Um, I, you know, was a student of, of, of the school. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just some face. I met Monster Palooza. I'm walking around. <laughs> Matt comes up to me and he's like, Langley, <laughs> and like, <laughs> I, like, how do you know me? It's like you know, and 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 that's awesome because it does. It feels like a family. It feels like a a, a community. And and you guys have done something really really special. So I wanted to thank you for that, Matt. Hey, thank you, Langley, and that, honestly, it's not phony. We we truly love you guys. Without you guys, we don't have a school. We don't have a community. We don't have a purpose, you know. It's, thank God for the fans of, of Monsters and the people who want to learn how to do this. Um, and there's just a shared, you know what it is, all, all friendships are born out of shared interests. And so right out of the gate, anyone who comes to Stan Winston School shares lots of interests with me. Um, so there's a chance we can be friends. You know? <laughs> like, genuinely, we can nerd out about Rob Bottin and his work on The Thing. <laughs> and we can, you know, go nuts about Stuart Preborn and the work he did on Star Wars and whatever. I mean, there's just so much, so much shared love there. You know, that's why... Honestly, Monster Palooza is my favorite weekend of the year. Yeah. You know, I love it so much. You're you're hanging out with fans who love everything you love, and everywhere you look are the best artists in the world who do the things you love, and it's just a great community. Um, I'm I'm honored to be a part of it, and I and truly I wish I wish Dad was here to see this because the internet was not what it what it is now ten years ago, and he he didn't get to experience to this level that's possible now, this worldwide love fest, right? Um, mm-hmm. He knew it was there. It was just starting to happen. But I think it would totally blow his mind to, to see how the Internet has brought us all together this yeah. way. It's a, it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, dude. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a sec. Putting the pedal to the metal. Here goes. So that was fantastic. I hate to say this because it seems like we've been saying this every week we now say for it a every while. Week. It's like, God, one fantastic, two a million questions that I didn't get to 
to sure. ask because of time. Sure, and, sure. And, and, it's, and, and it's one of those things where, you know, so much of the hour is spent. I mean, we don't edit, so it's right. it's yeah, so yeah. much what you hear is what you come with. And, and the, the conversation is directed by... Yeah, what and there happens. are things yeah. that I like. I highlight, and I go, "Okay, make sure to talk about this." Right. And then there's always stuff. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving on to other hour stuff. A uh, couple of things. Uh, starting with, let's who talk about who died. Who died? Pat- Patricia Morrison. She was 103. She was in the original Kiss Me, Kate, and wow. Song of Bernadette. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, 103. It's not like you go. Oh, it's a tragedy. No, <laughs> it's a tragedy, no, no, no. but it's, it's, it's kind of a celebration. Yeah. Uh, Reggie Lucas, he wrote um, Never Knew Love Like This, the Stephanie Mills song. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, this is this is fucked up. This one's fucked up. Stephanie Adams, she was a Playboy model and author. Right. Her, she, her and her son, she took her son and jumped off a building. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's something. That's fucked. I'm going to skip that. Uh, Bill Gold, artist, movie posters. He's the He was the Drew Struzan of his day. Of his day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Philip Roth, writer, he wrote Portnoy's Complaint. Oh, yeah. A couple of other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, Glenn Snoddy. Glenn Snoddy. Glenn Snoddy was the uh, inventor of the fuzz pedal. Yeah. Um, and the way it came about was uh, he he was the engineer on a, a Marty Robbins song. The song ex- escapes me at the moment, mm-hmm. but um, there was a there was an issue with uh, some equipment, and, and so things this bass was like getting recorded like wow, and he had the foresight to go. That sounds cool. Yeah. It, it's a mistake, but it sounds cool. And he actually invented the fuzz pedal. From a 1950s Marty Robbins song. Wow, yeah. And that and became a, like... It's the sound you think of when you think of rock guitar. Exactly. It, it became the sound of rock. And then finally, um, Clint Walker. Big Clint Walker. Um, he was in the Dirty Dozen. He was in Cheyenne. He was in so many things. and he was yeah. Somebody had a good point. They said... Back in the day, him in his prime, he would have made a great Jack Reacher. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Big dude. Jack Reacher from the novels. From the yeah, novels, yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, the yeah, books. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's true, yeah. Um, so there's that. Uh, Infinity War, which we talked about last week, hits comes to digital on July 31st. Okay. So I see that it was... Knocked out of its number one position by Deadpool 2. Yeah. Which is the And we'll see one. how long that lasts. Yeah. I mean, it's already made a trillion fucking dollars. Right. So, um, the Obamas, Michelle and Barack Obama, signed a deal with Netflix to produce and star in a series of film, films, and conservatives lost their minds. Lost their fucking minds. Um, yeah. We won't. They're they're threatening a boycott of Netflix, which is go ahead. <laughs> Right. You come back. <laughs> you can take your Lottie stand, and you know, it's, and it's not yeah. like anyway. It's so ridiculous, yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's cool. Uh, you know, the Obamas coming to TV. They're and kind it, of and it. It's kind of like uh, you know. I'm if nothing else, I'm interested just to see what it is. Mm-hmm. Is it is it the Osbournes? No, no, is no. It, it sounds like they're going to like 
like Michelle Obama's big thing is about nutrition, so I'm sure she'll do a film on nutrition and an American um, what do they call them um, food deserts in cities where sure. they people don't have access to right, right. fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, Liam Neeson is being considered for the Tommy Lee Jones role in the MIB, the Men in Black reboot with Chris Hemsworth. Uh, uh, I, sure. Watch. Yeah, exactly. Like, well, it, it. I think Neeson offers opportunities to fuck around on his Taken thing and the whole thing. Yeah, years. but God damn it. Like, if not the Tommy Lee Jones role, then the, then definitely the Rip Torn role. As yeah, the guy he, at the, yeah, he could. You know. Yeah, he could do that. But but that's that's all beside the point. They shouldn't be fucking doing this in yeah. the first place. I don't. Based on the numbers that we saw from MIB three, yeah. I just don't see why this needs I, to happen. I, no, not at all. Um, Deadpool two director says there's an extended cut coming. Nice. Pro- probably when they release it to Blu-ray. Right. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have more seen it yet. opportunities for fucked upness. Yeah. It, yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I hear a lot of fun stuff. Cool. Uh, Chad Stahelski is directing everything these days. Add Image Comics analog to the list. He's okay. Doing, he's doing the fucking Highlander movie. He's doing. Yeah, he's John Wick yeah. Three is filming. Um, he's come a long way from doubling for Brandon Lee on the crew. Yeah, yeah, right. Brian Fuller. Uh, has left the Vampire Chronicles TV series based on the Anne Rice books. Right. Brian Fuller seems to do that. He he signs on to projects, works on them for a few months, and then goes, creative differences, and walks away. Right. Yeah. So. I, um, mean, I guess that's one way to get a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is kind of interesting. Speaking of Netflix, they're talking about doing a film called Six Underground, and it's being called, quote, their biggest budget feature project to date. Wow. Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Michael Bay. Yes. Um, sure. Yeah, I I was listening to an interview with Ryan Reynolds, and I'm just like, this guy is so likable, mm-hmm. and Michael Bay is so hateable. I know. <laughs> but he can do those big... Big right, no, things. yeah, no, yeah, so, so we'll see. Yeah, I don't know, I mean, it's always the way, where, you know, you don't work for a while, then you have a hit, and then you, you're working all the time, and it's, yeah. at this point, I think Reynolds runs the risk of overexposure. Sure. So. It could be easy to become the next Johnny Depp. Yeah. 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 Uh, Matt Grenig, uh, Simpsons Matt Grenig, yep. has a new series coming to Netflix on uh, August 17th called Disenchanted. It looks like The Simpsons meets Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. Um, a princess, and there are demons, and sure. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. a lot of castles. Well, you did the science fiction thing with Futurama, so right. now we do the fantasy thing. Uh, I know uh, the one of the girls from Broad City is going to be the princess. Um, I, I'm assuming it's animated. Yeah. Okay. And when you look at the style, it's straight up Matt yeah. Okay. Uh, Amazing Stories, the Amazing Stories reboot is in the hands of the creators of Once Upon a Time, which was a good show, by all accounts. Mm, Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, It's just a a series of hour-long movies. This is, I mean, uh, this is one of the few reboots that I can get behind, because we lack that on television right now, except for Black Mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, Anthologies? But is that that 
television? Is Black well, Mirror actually on television, or is it? Well, that's the weird thing, thing is yeah. that as the marketplace changes and Netflix changes everything. Yeah, yeah. The we were talking about Spielberg talking about you know should Netflix films be considered for Cannes or for Academy Awards? Yeah. So I think the landscape has changed. Yeah. Uh, or changing. Um, I think so. I think it counts. It wouldn't count as a feature because it's not sure. feature length. But on the other hand, as a series, I'm in. Yeah. I'm totally Well, dead. I think it's clear that, uh, you know, the uh, I'll just pick the Academy. The Academy has to start doing some adjusting. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, because, as we've talked about many times, some of the best things being made now never see a theater. Right. You know, they're not made for the theater. And there's a goddamn lot of them. Yeah. Netflix is just coming out with... Most of the trailers we see, we find out later they're, they're coming they're, to Netflix. Yeah. Um, Annapurna, Netflix, and A24 are, are like my... Yeah. That's the, the, the studios I pay attention to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Star Wars. Um, Disneyland Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opens summer 2019. Yeah. Disney World's Star Wars Galaxy Edge opens fall of that year. So they're going to open the, the Star Wars land in L.A. I've seen Anaheim. models. Looks cool. It looks really cool. I'm not into Star Wars, but it's cool. Yeah. It and would. supposedly when you check into the Disneyland Hotel, you get a backstory. Like, you're a, you're a traitor from Bespin <laughs> or whatever. Um, this doesn't make any sense at all. So... Um, set to star, produce, direct, and provide music for a version of Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> Idris Elba. <laughs> and that's legit. So he's going to star in it, he's going to produce it, direct it, write a bunch of the, the music? And who's he going to star as? Quasimodo? I, I don't know. That's, <laughs> uh, I love him as I do an too. actor. Um, I love that this thing that he did where he was a you know a boxer, in a, in a fighter, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This just sounds like one of those stories that it's it sounds like a Mad Lib. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it might be good. It might be good. He did one recent movie where he was a DJ, and supposedly he got into DJing, so... I guess when you're you in know, your cell, though, who the fuck knows? Right, well, I mean, it, just based on what he's done, he strikes me as one of these guys that's like... And God bless him for it. It's like, oh, we're doing a movie about this? I'm all about this now. Like, yeah. you know, we're doing a movie about skateboarding? Mm-hmm. I'm going to become a professional skateboarder. You right, know, right, right. Kind of, um, kind of a George Plimpton type. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And he just happens to be one of the best-looking men on the planet. Right, exactly. And all yeah. that other stuff. So we hate him a lot. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember the Valentine's Day thing he did? It was like he could win a date with. Yeah, it's so weird. So <laughs> weird. And it just reeks of him going, "All right," like some Asian going, "We're going to do this," and him just it's kind like, of like, "All okay. right." Okay. <laughs> How awkward would that be? Um, uh, James Mangold, who did Logan, yeah, doing the Boba Fett movie. Okay. All right. Good enough. Yeah. Danny Boyle, who did 28 Days Later and all sorts of other stuff, Sunshine. Sunshine. Is doing bon- definitely doing the 25th Bond film. Okay. I don't know how his sensibilities would work with something like that, but 
sure, give him a shot. He definitely yeah. deserves it. He's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. he's a Tip, um, he's, a, he's a good director. Yeah, and yeah. he's and he's very typically British. Yeah, you know, so sure. Um, based so Kenneth Branagh was in this Murder on the Orient Express, right? And they're going to do Death on the Nile next, right? Seems that BBC is doing a three-part um, version of the ABC Murders with uh, John Malkovich as Hercule Poirot. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I could see that working. I could see that working. Yeah, yeah. I love the BB, the PBS, um, Perot stuff. Oh yeah, it's so good. It's so good. Uh, Rob Zombie says he'd love to remake Creature from the Black Lagoon. Wouldn't we all? Yeah, you know. No offense, but before we give it to you, we're gonna give it to Guillermo. Yeah. Well, we I kind of yeah, think I, we already did. I think Del Toro's <laughs> done with the creature. You know, he. Lo- he lobbied to make that movie for mm-hmm. John years. Carpenter was supposed to make it. Right. At there one was a point. bunch of people. You know, and it is a movie that Barker, screams. Clive Barker wanted to do it at one point. It's a movie that screams. You know, that's a movie that's worthy of a remake because the original mm-hmm. is not that great of a movie. We all flip out over it, but it's because of the. It's the suit. It's the suit. It's the Gilman design. Yeah. You know, um, so. I think people have always wanted to do it, and the big challenge is how do we measure up to that fucking suit? Right. Because that's that thing is I still. It's it, beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, one of the yeah, best yeah. things I've ever seen made um, in the effects world. Um, so, sure, anybody like that wants to take a stab at it, I think is has has a decent chance of of making a better film. It's just whether or not they're going to be able to nail. The suit, the suit, and the yeah, and the mood, yeah, and that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, um, new cast members have joined John Wick Three. Tiger Chen, who did the stunts on yeah. the Matrix, he was also in Man of Tai Chi. Mm-hmm. Susep Arif Rahman, who was in the Raid Two, right, and Yuyan Ru- Ruyan, who was uh, in the Raid and the Raid Two. Yeah. he he's the buddy. I call a wise I'm hoping, buddy. I, I'm hoping that that means that we're gonna get a bigger variety in, yeah. in, in, as far as the, the fight scenes go. This, uh, John Wick 2, there was a lot of the same stuff over right. and over again. And yeah. this leads me to believe that we're opening the world to like, you know, Sea Lodge yeah. and all that other stuff. And so, I mean... Which, which would be really cool. It would be great. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Moving on to trailers, there's a bunch here this week, of course. The Aspen Papers, Vanessa Redgrave, Jonathan Rice davies kind of a costume drama... Looks very bo- kind of a bodice ripper, if you ask me. It looks great to me. Um, uh, a uh, a young guy is interested in this late poet's work. Mm-hmm. Gets wrapped up in the family. Seems like there's some deception going on, uh, particularly on his part. Yeah, um, he's lying to everybody because yeah. he wants these papers. So right, bad. exactly. Like he, that they're letters or some something. Shit. And uh, it looks great. I mean, it it. it it's pretty. It looks well acted. Vanessa Redgrave. She looks like, great. She looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, Jonathan Rice uh, Davies. The dude was in the Two Doors and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, this is not unfamiliar territory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Bromley Boys. Kind of a comedy about a kid who loves a lowly soccer team and inadvertently finds love with some local... Again, looks solid. Looks it, fun. Yeah, it looks really fun. Um... Uh, very 
very British, um, mm-hmm. and in uh, it didn't have the punk aspect, but it kind of reminded me of things like This Is England, exactly, and yeah, that kind of thing. Feels the same. Um, yeah. What's the one about the the boy that dances? Something Billy. Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot. Yeah, yeah that kind of feel. Yeah. Man, that's a good movie. That's too. a great yeah. movie. Um, up next, the Butterfly Tree um, looks uh, some woman moves into town, I guess, and then this man and his son are kind of forging this relationship after the death of their wife, and uh, of the man's wife, the man's the boy's wife, mother, the boy's mother, and it seems like there's a love triangle forms between. Well, at the very least, this boy falls in love with this new potential stepmom mm-hmm. and that creates all kinds of drama this movie looks visually stunning yeah it's beautiful it's beautiful and yeah, uh, I'm not so sure about the narrative but it looks is it, uh, beautiful is it Carrie Mulligan in, in this no. one no it's not no, I'm, I'm confusing my trailers. another one yeah. yeah yeah but this looks pretty yeah. I mean the one the reason one of the reasons I put it on the list was when I watched it I'm like not sure what's going on but Jesus Man, visually it's, it's stunning it's gorgeous yeah uh, next up, City of Lies, Johnny Depp, Forrest Whitaker. It looks like a murder mystery in, based around the the murder of Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, the character that Johnny Depp is playing was is an actual guy. He's the guy that was investigating mm-hmm. the murder um, in, in in L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, uh, two things. One, um, three things. Forrest Whitaker looks great great fantastic yeah. as this journalist is trying to track down the truth um, Johnny Depp who um, in my opinion can often be a prop and kind of take you out of the movie mm-hmm. uh, Murder on the Orient Express yeah. is a really good example of that yeah um, and this this doesn't look like that like, yeah yeah, he, yeah and it's not goofy Johnny Depp all no. uh, pirates this is more like black mask yeah like I'm really doing acting. Yeah. Um, I had heard somebody else talking about this movie, and they were talking about, you know, and then Johnny Depp's in there, and that kind of ruined it for me. Looking at this trailer, I'm like, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, like, Johnny Depp is the character, and uh, I, I don't think you're going to come away going, oh, it's Johnny Depp. You right. Know, it looks great. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, next up, Damsel. It's kind of a Western comedy, Robert Pattinson. This looks, this looks like fun. This looks so fun, and it looks. I mean, it's like somebody said, Langley West. We, <laughs> we have a movie for you. This looks. This is all the buttons in my wheelhouse. This is the first time I've seen Robert Pattinson mm-hmm. in anything that I go. I like that guy. Yeah, I, it looks utterly fun. Like it looks like he's. Uh, a a, a Easterner kind of dude yeah, he's coming to the West to, for an arranged marriage. He's bringing a miniature horse with him. Yeah, <laughs> and nothing goes as planned. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks hilarious. Yeah. Um, I'm in. I'm in on that. Next up, down a dark hall. Uma Thurman looks like a something in a girls' school and that's haunted. It's like a reform school. Like girls in trouble that get sent to the school as opposed to going to juvie or, or mm-hmm. prison or jail or what have you. And um, Uma Thurman is this Russian. Something. Yeah, something, yeah, she, some kind of cold head mistress. Yeah, and uh, there are apparently supernatural goings on mm-hmm. at, at the school. Um, it doesn't look 
like a new idea. Like mm. it, I feel like we've seen. Reminded me of things. like the orphanage yeah. and uh, the but woods. But if you ever saw the woods, the yeah, absolutely, yeah, and, and kind of. It's like as that type of film. I think it looks fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is one and of those. And Thurman looks great. Yeah, she does. This is one of those weeks where there's not a lot of week. No. Some, some weeks, like we get trailers, and I'm just like yawn, 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 yawn. This, these all look great. Yeah, yeah. every one of these looks great. Up next, um, Melissa McCarthy in a movie called The Happy Time. Oh my god! Man. <laughs> kind of a Sesame Street meet. Meet the Feebles. It's a world where humans and Muppets coexist as living entities. Mm -hmm. So, so when you have a murder that happens, well, in this particular case, somebody is going around killing the puppets. puppets. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this looks fucking hilarious. Yeah. I'm, I'm so. On in this, board. put this. You'd file this next to movies like Team America. Yeah. And, and um, you know some of the sillier kind of almost Zucker movies. A lot of sight gags, yes. a lot of little turns of phrase. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. in. I do hear that. Se I, I'm trying to read if it's Sesame Street or Children's Television Workshop is Somebody's suing, suing them. them. Yeah, and I'm, I, which and I, I don't, don't get because well, it's Jim Henson Workshop it's, that it, worked are, are doing it. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it's like that's what I don't. But it understand. might be in the in there in the ad. No, you know. No Sesame, All Street is right. one of the taglines. Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. that, they might be doing that. By the way, did you see that um, Michael Jackson's family is uh, upset about this, this thing that's coming out in Michael Jackson's last days? Uh, and, of course they are. Well, in their statement, they're not upset about the content. They don't apparently care about the content. It's that that Michael Jackson's image was used. With right. And basically, they're not getting paid. Yeah, and that's, and that's the problem. How gross is that? Oh, I, mean, I know. It's like, ugh. Well, not to be that guy, but Tito, Jermaine, meet Shannon and Linda. <laughs> 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 well, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah, right? Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. Bruce Lee Foundation, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We just talk shit about it. I, I know. I know. Uh, up next. You know what? You know what's going to happen? Well, one day we're going to have one of those people on the show. <laughs> we're going to have a lot to answer for. <laughs> uh, up next, um, with ba I guess based on the success of the Jungle Book, the John Favreau Jungle Book, yeah, that happened. This is a film called Mowgli, and it looks like a super dark sequel to the Jungle Book. Yeah. One of the, when we watched it, you may remember me. I went, oh, and I started writing down. Yeah. Directed by Andy Serkis. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in. I, it, look. And I said to you watching the trailer, I'm like, this is the most interesting take on the Jungle Book that I've ever yeah. seen. And, and I've never really <laughs> cared that much for the Jungle Book. This makes me interested. You know what it felt like to me? It felt like the Jungle Book meets Ong Bak 2. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah right. Yeah, yeah. All the mysticism, Visually, yeah. all the visuals, all the covered in mud. Well, the great thing is, you know, Mowgli is is uh, in the beginning of the trailer. I don't know if that's the beginning of the movie or not, but is is he's in a cage. Mm -hmm. It's not running around in the in the jungle with the animals. He's he's in a fucking cage, kept by the same creatures that he is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. The thing that seems weird, though, is that they there's some flashes in the trailer of a baby 
uh, growing up. Right. So I'm I'm going to say now that I think he's been put in a cage after the events of right. the Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in though. It yeah. looks super dark and the the sheer con looks frightening. The all the, the the CGI in this looks great. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I'm on board. Up next, Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, Remy Malik from the Mr. Robot, right. and the new Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. In a remake of Papillon, I had no idea this was being made. I didn't made. either, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 well, Papillon is a fantastic It's movie, a great story. And it's kind of... It's one of those movies that I would have said, don't remake this thing. Right. But this looks great. It looks, does look, but the thing that's weird is... You know, we've tried this shit before. You know, look right. at Charlie Hunnam was in the Arthur movie, the Guy Ritchie movie. And it was right, terrible. Right, right, So, I don't know. I'm hoping that it's going to be good. Yeah. Just because the story's so Me too. compelling. Up next, um, Sisters Brothers, Joaquin Phoenix, Walter C. Riley, Jake Gyllenhaal. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. What did I say? Walter. Walter. I don't know who that, even who that is. <laughs> um, uh, uh, kind of a comedy... This looks um, funny. This looks, looks great. fun. Yeah, it it, it kind of reminds me of like a Cohen film, Cohen Brothers movie in the old west. Right. Uh, it does have that feel. It reminds me of Going South. Yeah. 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 That uh, too. Uh, yeah. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a western, mm-hmm. um, and uh, John C. Reilly and Joaquin Phoenix are brothers who are. Murderers, murderers, bounty I, like, hunters. I don't know if they're one of a better word. robbers or anything, but no, yeah, I think they, it's just yeah, they, bounty they, they kill people. Apparently, John C. Riley's character wants to get out of this life, and Joaquin Phoenix is like, "What?" Yeah, and uh, and hilarious. The yeah, they're in the middle of looking for some guy yeah. who Jake Gyllenhaal has found, and then they realize that this guy has developed some chemical that lets you see gold. In the dark. In the dark, and yeah. Like you pour it into a river and all the gold. Right. Looks fun. Yeah, it looks very cool. Uh, let's see, up next, Simon Pegg, Margot Robbie, and Cor- and Michael Myers in kind of a modern noir called Terminal. Yeah. I, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, this is one of those trailers that it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm very interested. I have zero idea what the fuck's going on. Yeah, it's like a neon lucky number eleven. Yeah, in a weird way. Um, everything is super stylized and, and very much like in the way the butterfly tree yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. But it, totally different. It reminds me almost of the what's the last Terry Gilliam movie with Christoph Waltz? The Zero Effect. Z- zero, yeah, Zero yeah. Theorem. Uh, zero Theorem. Yeah. It, it kind of looks kind of like that. Very sort of. Um, Everything's a wash in neon. Uh, it's very much a, a neo noir. Yeah. Um, it looks cool, and you know, Simon Pegg's in a beard. What? Yeah, yeah. I gotta watch it. A lot of <laughs> killing people and taking contracts, and I'm not who you think you are. Right. It looks fun. Yeah. And then finally, um, a period pip piece set in the '50s, Jake Gyllenhaal, directed by Paul Dano, who was the lead actor from. Little Miss Sunshine, and he called was also, Wildlife. He was also. Uh, oh, uh, I, uh, there will be blood. There will be blood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, this looks badass. It does look badass. It also looks like like a relationship drama and kind of a weeper. Like I get the impression 
Like, there's some character in there, the guy with the cigar. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like sh- the mo- the kid, this kid's mom is sleeping with this guy to try to protect their family or this something. This is a movie with Carrie Mulligan. This is with yeah, Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. 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 It yeah. looks good, but it looks sad. Yeah. You know? It does look sad. Um, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it, incur- it, it encourages me whenever I, I see, um, these kind of movies getting attention in this particular day and age when everything seems to be about capes and tights. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm all over it. If you like indie character-driven type films, mm-hmm. uh, this looks... You, you need to check this out. This uh, stars the same kid as um, The Butterfly Tree. That's the other Carrie Mulligan film. No, that's not. That's that, oh, that's not Carrie that's Mulligan. Good, no, this is the only Carrie Mulligan film. God damn it! But the kid in this is the same kid in the butterfly. Is the same kid in the other one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to. It, I mentioned it also. It's like there's three movies in or three movies in these trailers this week that have Jake Gyllenhaal in them. Wildlife, uh, Sisters, Brothers, and I forget which what the other one. The was. Papillon. And Papillon. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, look at that guy. And now, th- and now they're saying that he just signed on so to... four, because he's in the wildlife also. No, no, no. One, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he just got cast as Mysterio in the next Star uh, Spider-Man movie. Oh, well, there you go. That's there rude. You go. That's rude. I'm telling you, everyone lined up in Hollywood, and they handed out all the roles. And they're like, you're going to be... If there's ever going to be a Mysterio movie, you're the guy. Yeah. Which w- is weird... Because Jake Gyllenhaal, known for his face, yeah. Mysterio, has a big bubble over yeah. his head. So. Anybody could play that guy. <laughs> um, moving on to what we've been watching, have you seen anything good? No, I, I work has been so crazy, I have not had time to really watch anything. Um, I'm looking forward to watching a few things. Um, I'm really looking forward... It, it struck me the other day, um, and a lot of time has gone past, and it's old news to everybody... I still haven't seen Feud. Oh yeah, me neither. And and I it's really I really need to see that. So yeah. I, that's that's my project for when I'm done with the terror. Right on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sitting on a bunch of stuff myself. Um, I went. I didn't have much time because I started a new a new gig. Um, yeah. Bizarre. Congrats, it's man. So bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm I'm working. I'm writing. Continuing writing all this stuff, but I'm working at a dispen medical marijuana, the marijuana dispensary and it's so bizarre it's just <laughs> so bizarre the 12 year old Tom is looking around and just going what the hell but anyway I did manage to watch uh, re-watch Tarsem Singh's The Fall and I really want to talk about that movie like a whole episode you know what I fall. was going to say like that movie both of us are so enthralled with it that's that movie's totally worth. Yeah, we just have to find episode. the right the right guest for that. Yeah. someone who's going to be into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Are you reading anything good? Um, I'm still reading the book that you gave me, the uh, the Stephen King. Um, oh, the the book of the month club compendium. Yeah, See, it's not secret window. It's private window. Something window. Secret windows. Secret, secret windows. windows. And it's a it's a collection of essays on writing. It yeah. was it was like a. I remember uh, it was kind of like a, a companion piece to his on writing. Yeah. 
But and it was available only as a book of the month club. Right, right, right. And uh, uh, it's it's great. I and most of everything in there is available other places. Other places. But this pulls it yeah, all together. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. I've been reading this thing. Don Pendleton is one of the writers who writes the Mark Bolin, the Executioner series. Yes. And I'm reading this book called, uh, or Mac Bolin, um, called Mission to Burma. And it's 180 pages long. And I'll tell you what, man. This thing, it is... It is set off on page two. Yeah. And you're just rolling with it. And it doesn't, like... Well, that's the great thing about guys like Don Pendleton and... um, Who's the... the, uh, Well, those guys. uh, Carter, Don Hamilton. Don Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is that... You're not fucking around. It's like, look, I know what you're here for. Look... Here's the cover. <laughs> we we did this artwork it's got specifically for you. Yeah, and uh, I I love that kind of stuff. In, um, I used to read something called uh, Lone Star. Was that? Oh movie? sure, yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And it was the same kind of thing. Only it was like now we're in the West. Yeah, and it was like violence, sex, super violent. Yeah, and. I, you know, for thirteen-year-old <laughs> me, I'm like, oh, I know, oh, you'll love this. So he's in this book. He's trying to take out a sentry. So he doesn't want to shoot because he doesn't want to alert anyone. So he comes up behind him. He's got a knife in his left hand, which he stabs him with. As uh-huh. the guy, his head goes back and he starts to scream from being stabbed. Right. He hits him in the back of the head with the tomahawk he has in his <laughs> right hand. <laughs> and it, and it's not like. Holy shit! He goes chuck chuck, and he moves on to the next guy. It's awesome. Um, uh, That's awesome. Hilarious in that they and the beauty of it all is that you there these books came out like once a month for yeah, years. Man. Oh god, there's hundreds of these. Yeah. things. So a lot of the plot stuff and a lot of the character shit, it's like it just when you're. 20 years in, it's like, you know who this guy is. Yep. I don't got to describe him. Off we go. Yeah. yeah Very yeah, cool. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Um, are you, anything that you've heard that you want to talk about? Um, uh, Jennifer and I went down a rabbit hole the other day, um, specifically just listening to cover versions of Radiohead's Creep. <laughs> <laughs> that one and on the voice is the shit. Right? Uh, so far, I've not found a cover version of that song that I didn't mm-hmm. like. That's one of those songs that just, it's just good. It's yeah. just a good song. Yeah. And uh, and I'm not a big Radiohead fan. Like, like you know, there's maybe one other song of theirs that I even know. Probably High and Dry. Uh, I think it's when we're done. Little Plastic Trees. Oh, yeah, Little Big Plastic yeah, Trees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, but... Everybody, everybody that I hear, you know, from like Tori Amos doing mm-hmm. it to, and everybody has a different take on it. It's like, it's really melancholy and sad, or it's like raucous, <laughs> and it's like it's so. It's a it's a great song yeah. for people to cover. Yeah, I fell down one. There's with, a million covers I know. of that song. I fell down one looking at uh, covers of "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." Yeah. Oh, there's another one. Yeah. There's so many, and they're all really different and yeah. really, really cool. Uh, let's see. New releases this week. L- new Lorena McKinnett. If you like Lorena McKinnett, you're going to love this. Okay. Um, it's, it's She's not venturing out of her lane at, at all. all. 
Um, guy I work with turned me on to a band called Ghost Note. The record's called Swagism. This is big band fusion jazz, mm -hmm. very syncopated, very, very, very cool. Uh, I guess there's a video game out called Impact Winner. Okay. Uh, music by a guy named Mitch Murder. I love the art on yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I post all the links to all this stuff on on my Facebook feed, but this is really good. I don't know anything about the game, but the music is super, super good. Um, Who would have thought that there'd be a day where we're like just listening to the soundtrack to a for video a game? game? Yeah. Oh, that's where a lot of the great orchestral scores are being done now. Um, yeah. Um, ambient record called The Vast Expanse by Sver Gnut Johansson. <laughs> and it's exactly what you think. Based on the title of The Vast Expanse, yeah. it's very airy. I can imagine, like. Yeah, there's lots of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then a couple of picks of the week. Number one, uh, Them Evils. The record's called Rolling Stone and Living Free. Bass heavy power trio that sounds like White Stripes meets Triumph meets a bar band. Okay. You would love these It guys. sounds great, yeah. Love them. And then finally, um, guitar player Joe Bonamassa has a record called British Blues Explosion Live. Yeah. And Bonamassa. Uh, it's like, if you're a guitar guy, he's a they, monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you know, uh, have you ever heard of John Five? Yes. Yeah. Check him out. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. Why am I not flashing on that? Well, because he's never he's never been a giant name mm. in, in the guitar world, but he's a, he's a fucking monster, yeah. dude. Yeah. I I love you know the shredders and all the guys that are just like redefining the instrument. You right. know, there's a there's like everywhere. I mean, the shredders you got, but you've also got people like Fred Frith who are taking paint scrapers to their guitars yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, thanks again to Matt Winston for Man, coming on. Fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, go, please go check out the Winston School. Yeah. Um, if you're into all this shit, you should definitely well, here's, be there. Well, here's the thing. is Even if you're not... And, and, and This is something I wanted to talk to him about, but even if you are not an aspiring effects person... There are there are but you're but you're an artist or you want to be an artist. There are a million things that you can learn on on these in these lessons <coughs> that have nothing to do with. I mean, you can apply them to anything. Mm -hmm. it's like, and it's like it, it it reminds me of like you know when I was a kid and you looked at famous monsters of filmland and you'd see a photograph of like some technician Jack Pierce for example working on somebody. Don't look at that. Yeah. Look at what's look at look at what's on the yeah, shelf yeah, 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 yeah. in the background. Well, it's again, like, it's like we talked about about looking over their shoulder. Yeah. And like I'm not an effects person, but I've watched some of these lessons, and I'm able to take something away from oh. it for for whatever art yeah. I do, and um, whether it be writing or whatever. But the idea that uh, again, it's people at the top of their game, right, doing what they do, and talk about value. I mean, like you can. There, there are there are different like everything. There are different levels. You can pay a smaller amount, a medium amount, or you can pay a lot to to have a different uh, levels of access. And I'm going to be honest. If you just subscribe at the lowest amount, you get uh, four lessons a month. Mm -hmm. There's no way that you're going That's to a lot. yeah That's a lot of information. because 
one lesson might be five hours long, six hours long, mm -hmm. and you can't just breeze through them. You've got to sit there and, and pay attention. What's really fun is to try to um, work on a project. While you do and, it. And yeah, okay. in, uh, yeah, in real time with it. Uh, uh, and that's really cool because um, just as you're fucking up, they did too. No. <laughs> and, and they'll show you how to fix it. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, a lot of good stuff coming up. Next, we've got an artist coming on that is the shit. That is the absolute shit. Yeah. I'm not going to say his name just because you never know. Right. But uh, we have a ton of, like, pinch me guests. We, we, have, we have so many good guests coming up, and we've had a series of good guests. And and, and, and we haven't even gotten around. Well, we've done a little bit, but we haven't gotten around to bringing people back. Yeah. Which is something I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of good stuff. Please go to the Facebook page. Please tell a friend. Our uh, Last month was our most listeners ever. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, by the time you hear this, it'll be a few days later, but uh, happy birthday, Phil Mucci. Phil Mucci, yeah. It was, Phil it was his birthday just a couple yep. of days ago. I thought it was today. Dude, was it today? It is, it, today? it is today. It is today. He's killing it. Yeah, man. Man. And that new shit that he's doing is so good. Yeah, and it's, it's so awesome now to see, like, if you go to the Shiflets page or to Paul's Komoda's page. Right. Just seeing the work that they're doing and, and having a connection to it is awesome. Yeah. So, right on. Thanks for listening. Please let us know what uh, what we're doing right, what, we, what you want to hear. And if you have an idea for a guest... For the Bonus Material Podcast, I'm Tom Carnell. And I'm Langley West. Stay scary.